0: So here we are in the times of the COVID-19 pandemic and I'm with my daughter Emma from New York. Hi Emma.
1: Hi. Hi, Hi mum.
0: And Peter. How Pam? I'm well thanks and really looking forward to our discussion together this morning. You know the, the world is, as we knew it seems to be falling apart doesn't it? Emma could you just tell us briefly uh, what's happening in New York.
1: Well, I think we're a little bit ahead of where things are at in Australia. Today, the US took over every other country as having having the highest amount of cases with 81,000 people sick. And New York particularly is really the centre of the uh, epidemic in, in the US. We, One in 700 people are infected in New York. We have, I think, about 21,000, it could be more, and just in the last day, 100 people died. Mm. Um, So it's pretty, you know, we've been on, just in terms of, like, day-to-day, everything feels like a little bit of a, it feels like it's happened quite quickly, but it also feels like it's been years at this point, and I'm not sure what day it is. I think it's a Thursday, but days are sort of starting to blur, because we've been on lockdown for quite a while and we actually as a family put ourselves on on a lockdown I think before it was official. So last Sunday is when uh, the official shelter-in-place order was uh, went into action and then it was the week before that bars and restaurants um, mm. started to shut down. So it all happened very quickly.
0: So tell us about the living circumstances for your family just at the minute. What does that become like?
1: Well, uh, we have a three-room house, apartment, I should say. Um, so we live in a brownstone in Brooklyn. Brownstones sometimes can be one family but typically are divided up between multiple families, usually three, sometimes four. Um, and so we have just one floor of a brownstone, railway, railway brownstone. We've got an 11-year-old and a three-year-old. We've been homeschooling for two weeks now. <laughs> Yay! Mm-hmm. And, um, and we do luckily have a little bit of a front yard, which we can let the kids run around in a little bit. So we've been setting up obstacle courses for, um, our, yeah, for our three-year-old Torin. He is—he's uh, very active in running to the gate and then running to the pink flower and then doing ten jumping jacks.
0: Um, mm-hmm. But it's very cramped, mm-hmm. and we're
1: piled on top of each other at the moment. Uh, yeah yeah, it's, it's not easy
0: yeah yeah your um breastfeeding support practice emma could you tell us a little bit about that and what's happened there
1: right so so usually i would see eight families a week not counting um women who come to my breastfeeding circles which i host twice a week um so that can range anywhere from like sometimes there'll be two people sometimes there'll be 15 people um but usually I see about eight families a week. And uh, my last, that's my daughter, my last um, house call I did on Saturday. And so now I'm mostly just doing virtual calls. But it's been incredibly quiet, and which is quite worrying to me um, because women obviously still need help. There are formula shortages starting to happen because um, people are bulk buying formula. Um, and I also another part of what's happening here is that's just quite shocking. Is uh, women are not being allowed support uh, partner even partners, as anyone in the hospital and in a lot of the hospitals in New York now. So they're laboring and giving birth alone. Um, they're trying to get women out of hospital as quickly as possible. So with a depending on how the baby is doing with a vaginal birth. They will try to get them out day one with a uh, caesarean section. They'll try to get them out day two, if possible, again, depending on how the baby's doing. Um, But that means that there's even less time to get support in the hospital. So I know that there must be masses of women out there who are needing support, breastfeeding support, but either don't know that it's available virtually, um, don't... Don't know where to start. Don't feel like it's a pri- I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's happening, but it leaves me really worried for um, mothers who are, who are just starting to breastfeed their babies now.
0: It's very concerning, isn't it? Um, Peter, could you give us a little bit of an overview of where things are at um, in Australia at the moment with the pandemic?
2: So uh, Australia's in a privileged position given that we uh, really do have uh, absolute border control, with the exception of uh, air flights and cruise ships, which have been the, the primary sources of uh, cases into Australia and um, close contacts uh, as a result of those cases. Um, but but relative to European states, for example, or even oh. to the US, um, where we're able to monitor our borders really quite well, We've adopted a a staged implementation of of, um, measures that have attempted to kind of draw the balance between protecting the individual and protecting social structures, society as a whole, and also trying to minimise the impact on the economy, which in the long run, I suspect, will have the biggest toll in terms of health and mortality overall. Which is
0: more difficult to measure, isn't it?
2: It's going to be more difficult to measure, but what's interesting is that this issue has displaced all of our routine investments in so many other health issues, and even simple messages that we would normally be giving you know, have been deflected be- because of our concerns with the uh, with the COVID-19 uh, epidemic. I mean, the other thing that's really becoming apparent is how on the edge our health system is even in a, a country like australia that is relatively well prepared we we are experiencing the consequences of winding back our public health infrastructure um, and our communicable disease control measures and the progressive erosion of access to our primary health care system oh, well, all that happened here been. for a
1: long time <laughs>
2: That that's we don't true have and uh, health
1: care. We only have private health care. No.
2: And I think this this is what we're going to see globally. Um if you look at the previous epidemics, the lessons from SARS, the lessons from MERS, the lessons from Ebola, all of those basically came to the conclusion that you need a functioning, effective primary health care infrastructure going in if you're going to be able to build on that to control the epidemic. And and I have great concerns for the Pacific and for Africa in particular and other parts of Asia as they begin to grapple with this epidemic with far fewer resources than Australia has.
0: Mm. So here I am as a, as a GP, as a, a um, primary care health professional with a specialised um, clinical and, and research interest in the care of, of women and their babies. and. I have very deep concern that women and their babies are now at significantly increased risk and the risk itself is not from COVID-19 primarily. Would you agree, Peter? Could you just address how COVID-19 impacts, as far as we know to date, on um, babies and mothers?
2: So we, we've got relatively limited direct data. The, the evidence we have is from China, and, and for some simple epidemiological reasons, it's a little bit distorted, but what we can say with some confidence is that epidemics amongst the young are less severe in terms of their consequences, you know, by roughly a third, if you look at kind of the, the kinds of impacts clinically than in adult cases. There is some uncertainty about what happens with the very young, but what we can generally say is that children are at less risk than adults in this epidemic and are less likely to transfer, transmit the COVID-19 than, than adults are. So we should be starting from a position where where there's relative protection and particularly with babies that are being breastfed, they've got the double protection of breastfeeding as well. The dilemma comes not directly from the COVID itself, but from that that whole set of um, of issues that arise from the separation of mothers from broader societal structures and also from other health infrastructure. So all of the simple things that keep mothers sane and uh, and managing their families effectively uh, and getting the support that they need and the advice that they need, those are relatively compromised, although. Social media is filling some of those gaps. The dilemma with social media, of course, is that a lot of it is preoccupied with the with the legitimate concerns about um, you know what's happening with the virus and where we're going. So that, what I'd say is there's kind of a there is a you know there's a justifiable focus on the infectious disease that doesn't that, that doesn't remove the ongoing problems that we have both with mental health but also with non-communicable diseases, with other um, legitimate problems in kids' development issues in kids that we need to be attending to as we go through the epidemic.
0: Mm. So we are offering this podcast series because we're calling for um, an urgent change in the information that's given to women, to parents, as they're caring for babies Particularly in that exquisitely neuroplastic first 100 days post birth, and more broadly um, in the first 12 months of life. In the perinatal period and the transition in the post birth period, we know that women are already at, at increased risk of mental health problems, in particular postnatal anxiety and depression. Large numbers of us as women. Um, are really managing high levels of anxiety through the first weeks and months of the life of our baby, even in the best of times. And in the context of the pandemic, the mental health of women caring for our babies, caring really for the future of the, future of the world as embodied in that small infant, are at significantly increased risk of um, mental health problems. So in this podcast series, we'll make the case for why neuroprotective developmental care or a much more evolutionarily or biologically aligned approach to caring for women and their babies must come to the fore. So join us for this journey in the times of the COVID-19 pandemic as we explore how best to protect our women and their babies through these times. Thanks, Emma and Peter. I'll see you soon. Bye.